everyone. Welcome to The Boot. That's right. It's The Boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, we're kicking off Halloween month with Urban Legend, starring Alicia Witt, Jared Leto, Rebecca Gayhart, Michael Rosenbaum, and Loretta Devine. Uh, I haven't seen this movie in years. Yeah, it's been a while. I think I'm mostly excited that we're doing this movie so we can just talk about Urban Legends. I think they got most of the important ones. They got a lot of the big... The big top tier top urban tier. legends. Top t- like the prime urban legends. Like there's prime campfire stories here. There are sequels to this movie, but I mean like what they got through all the good stuff. <laughs> movie one, we can't just dig for urban legends. A babysitter receives menacing phone calls. And upon investigating them, she realizes that they are originating from an upstairs bedroom. The very room where she's left the children under her care to sleep. Now, who's heard this before, hmm? Well, that really happened to a girl in my hometown. Oh, yes. I'm sure it did. I'm I'm sure most of you grew up thinking that this happened to girls in, in all your hometowns, but it didn't. You see... The babysitter and the man upstairs is what we call an urban legend. First of all, I don't know what level of like sociology course this is, but if it's just a course on urban legends, that is top level blow off class <laughs> in any college. But ever. it's taking place in such a large auditorium. Like this might as well have been film aesthetics. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, I think what he teaches is like, American folklore or like, you know, some form of of American like storytelling. But the fact that every single one of our main characters is in this class and how specific it is. Uh, It's it's incredible. It also is just like this class must have been at like 8 a.m. You know what I mean? Like the fact that anyone's even awake for this thing. This oh, I think matter. this would like, be this fascinating, doesn't to your, it, But to your life, this this class doesn't matter. Well, if it was 8 a.m., nobody would be there. No. <laughs> I don't think anyone – like, it wasn't didn't seem like a full class, if I recall. Well, that's because there were a 1,000 seats in the <laughs> – it was – you. I saw this and I was like, maybe I just went to a small school. But, like, th- there is no classroom that needs to be this large. I mean, this podcast isn't about how awful college courses are, but you couldn't tell based on what we're talking about this right now. This movie is an indictment of uh, the, the of the uh, American college system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Guys, welcome to The Boot, a movie reboot podcast where I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host, Kenna Trent, pick a classic Hollywood film and reboot it as if it was to be remade today in 2019. Uh, this is crazy. We're running out of 2019 room, and uh, it's already October. So <laughs> we're into Halloween month. Yeah. And we're starting with urban legend, uh, kind of a simulacrum of scream in many, many ways. Just your classic hot teens get butchered in a, in a week, in a, in a weekend at college or high school kind of. There's a lot of stuff in here. That's like a direct ripoff yes. of scream, which I don't mind. Yeah. I, mm, I didn't mind it at the time because there was such a demand for it. But like rewatching it, you're just like, ooh, okay. I there was stuff is. that happened in this movie that I was like, honestly, no one should be able to get away with this. But I'm enjoying this. Yeah. And well, so, you know, rock on. <laughs> well, before we get into it, uh, we have to tackle some actual reboot news. We've been off for a couple couple weeks. You know, life get, comes at you fast, guys, as uh, Ferris Bueller says. So 
Um, let's start with Kiefer Sutherland and Boyd Holbrook to star in the Fugitive TV remake for Quibi. Quibi. Man, Quibi is taking over. I thought this was a joke. And then suddenly <laughs> it's like they just made a deal with ESPN. Like, get ready to Quibi, guys. Whatever that means. <laughs> if you can use it as a verb, I, I guess we're doing it. I guess we're doing it. Um, so they're remaking The Fugitive, which Ken and I have lovingly done for you. Episode 56 of this very podcast earlier this year, guys. <laughs> My girlfriend and I were dog sitting for some friends and our friends had this weird like trivia game and in the game there was like a movie section. So my girlfriend and I are playing this game and she gets this question and I go, in what movie does Harrison Ford play Dr. Richard Kimball? And with all seriousness, my girlfriend looks at me and goes, Indiana Jones. (laughs) And I say, (laughs) and I say, who do you think Indiana Jones is then? Who do you think plays Indiana Jones? If Harrison Ford <laughs> is playing Dr. Richard Kimball in Indiana Jones. But um, I have to say, the TV show's recasting, not as inspired as ours. I don't know. No. I mean, I like Kiefer. Boyd Holbrook, I think I've seen in Logan, which he was very good in, but I and doesn't move me in any way. What was the, what was that other movie he was in? Pre- what was the Predator movie called? Predator. Predator. Yeah. I get confused. Did There's, you see that? Yeah. Was he good in that? Sure. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> you see what I mean, guys? Like, we do this podcast and Hollywood doesn't fucking listen. I mean, does anyone listen? Or are we shouting into a void? Probably the latter. Uh, we're shouting into a void. But what is going on? Like, why are these, why are the, I don't know, these two country guys. I don't know why I call them country guys. <laughs> is that code for something? You know how urban is code for black? I'm just like, these two country guys. These two country guys. white people. No, I don't know. I just thought, you know, I don't know. It's odd because it's such a, I think we talked about this when we first read it. It's a very safe choice. Like these are, absolutely, this is going to be fine. I don't dislike this casting, but also it's just a pretty standard way to cast this story. We could have switched things up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I cast a woman as an FBI agent, and that's really progressive. So, <laughs> um, oh, it reminds me, I got your medal for you here. Let me just get you your the medal for you, <laughs> and I'll pin it on. I'm pinning it on. If you guys can't see, I'm pinning a medal. On <laughs> this is my award most. for being the best person in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the show is actually going to be a departure from the movie and the original TV show. I guess this version centers on a blue collar worker, Mike Russo, played by Holbrook, who just wants to make sure his wife, Allison, and 10 year old daughter, Pearl, are safe. When a bomb rips through the Los Angeles subway train he's riding on, but the faulty evidence on the ground and a tweet now confirm later journalism paint a nightmarish picture framing Mike responsible for the heinous act. First of all. The Los Angeles subway system is not a great place to set a movie, <laughs> set an opening moment of a movie. Tell that to Captain Marvel. Um, it is, and the end of the end of Speed. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, guys, why do we keep setting things in the wildly underutilized subway system? I think it's in Los because Angeles? filmmakers want it to make it seem like LA has an active public transit system and we don't They're wrong they're wrong it's just lies it would have been better if it was just like yeah it's like the 405 freeway on like a rush hour yeah it's just like a truck that has a bomb and it blows up and which is just speed which is just speed <laughs> which i'm fine with as well which they're also <laughs> what if remaking. what if people started just remaking movies but 
it was just the plot of other movies. Like so it was just like the fugitive, fugitive but it's speed essentially speed. And face off. <laughs> but face off is just essentially speed. Yeah. All of a sudden there's no face swapping. It's just about a it's bomb on a bus. It's just speed. I'm fine with that. It doesn't matter. We don't know. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Sure. This one uh, caused a bit of a ruckus when it came out. Rumors of the Princess Bride remake send fans into pit of despair. Come on. (laughs) That was quite a headline. The Guardian UK. So the Guardian, well known for just collecting tweets into an article, has done it again. (laughs) Okay, so there was some sort of rumor going around. There was a variety profile on Norman Lear, who's one of the film's producers. Mm -hmm. And in the article, somebody at Sony Pictures was quoted as, was quoted as saying, very famous people whose names I won't use, but they want to redo The Princess Bride. Not a month goes by when we don't have an idea coming from some very big name wanting to do things with Norman. Okay, cool. So that was a very small thing that I think people were like, well, what's a huge project that would be discussed? Mm -hmm. The assumption was The Princess Bride. Things got out of hand on Variety and... Everybody started tweeting about it. Here we have Carrie Elwes saying, actually, this is pretty clever. He said, he tweeted, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to damage this one. I think he's right. A couple things. Which is great. Uh, guys, if you want to hear our version of Princess Bride, check out episode 11 yeah. of this very podcast. I asked my girlfriend if she had seen it. And mm-hmm. she goes, no, I haven't. I was like, oh, you got to watch it. Really? And she goes... Okay, like she wasn't that interested. And she's like, I know the quote though, the like famous quote. And I was like, oh, what? And she goes, <laughs> she oh, says, boy. I am something Dan Hannigan and I'm here to save my wife. It, and it's one of those things where like, come I, on, Void. I'm pretty sure even we were like, it shouldn't be done. No. So I, uh, the second thing I was going to say, this article really reads like that friend that constantly says they know famous people, but then it's just like, you know, they're full of shit. They're just like, yeah, me and like, uh, Jack, Jack Black, uh, we, uh, <laughs> went to a Lakers game and you know, I'm like tight with his son. And it's like. You know, very a lot. Of, I know a lot. Of, I just know a lot of famous people, and they really want to do it. Like, I can't say who it is, obviously, because like that would be very gauche of me. But I do know a lot of famous people. But you I want to th- slap these people. I think too. Everybody knows now that if you want to gauge a response to something, have somebody say something casually on like the Comic Con circuit, and mm-hmm. just be like, "Hey, like, yeah, I'd be game for a reboot. Who wants to see a reboot?" And then right. the whole crowd goes, "What?" Because nobody at the time is going to be like, we don't want to see that. But if you really think about it, nobody wants reboots of these things. It's sort of like the Ron Howard school of making reboots where you just go and you're just like, Willow? <laughs> just let, let the crowd roar, like, boo. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, don't do this. This is a bad idea. Whoever famous person out there is desperate to, unless it's Robert Wright Pant, Robert Wright. Robin Wright? Robin Wright. What did I say? Robert? <laughs> Robert? I gender swapped Wait, her in real life. She would. <laughs> I'm so far ahead of the reboot game that I'm rebooting people's actual lives. Actually, I was going to say, I feel like it would be a lot of fun if there was just, if there was some sort of, no, I'm not going to say that. What? Because sure, in my head, I'm like, yeah, if the, if the whole original cast minus Andre the Giant, is anybody else gone too? But if like the whole original cast like got together, mm-hmm. I feel like you could do something fun just like on the side. 
But like, uh, don't just remake this movie. The grandpa's gone. The grandpa. Oh yeah, what was his name? Peter. Peter Falk. Yeah. But you know, if they're going to remake this, it's going to be like Fred. Fred, can we get Fred Savage in here, please? Fred Savage. I used to have a. <laughs> That's the first step in in turning the tide of people saying like maybe we should is getting Fred. Savage. Get Fred Savage on board. <laughs> Savage is on board. I used to have a a um, storage space next to Fred Savage. We know. <laughs> so I could probably I, okay. give him a call. Say, hey, do you remember that one time? Guys, check out Kenna's <laughs> Fred Savage storage space story on episode 11 of this very podcast. Let's move on to the new <laughs> Inspector Gadget live action movie in the works from Disney. Uh, I'm assuming this is Disney Plus. I have not read the article. Uh, Aladdin producers Dan Lin and Jonathan Irich are producing the latest take on the 1980s cartoon. Uh, Disney is developing a new live action take on the 1980s animated series centering on the clumsy cyborg police inspector. I've never heard those words strung together before. <laughs> that clumsy cyborg. There, that's who he is. Uh, hiring Mike Day and Streeter Seidel, best known as writers on SNL, to pen the script. Where is this going to be on? Is this a movie? Is this Disney Plus? Yeah. Developed? <laughs> no. In addition, they're also doing the Home Alone reboot for Disney Plus. Let's just assume it's Disney Plus. Eventually, it'll be on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, well, everything that's Disney is also Disney Plus, but not everything that's Disney Plus is like all over Disney. Yeah. I don't hate this. I just, you know, I think we're all kind of uh, at least the 90s kids, hashtag 90s kids are a little scarred from the Matthew Broderick slash French Stewart movies that they tried to shove down our throats. Here's the thing, though. The Matthew Broderick Inspector Gadget birthed the best pop song that's ever been written for a film. It's called I'll Be Your Everything. And you better believe it samples the... The Inspector Gadget theme song. Don't start dancing. First of all, how did you even remember the song existed? Second of um, all. Okay, here's the thing. I have an incredible memory for songs I heard on the Disney Channel between mm -hmm. the years of like 1996 and like 2007. I mean. And if you watched the Disney Channel and you remember this movie coming out, you remember them playing the music video, which also featured dancers in Inspector Gadget's trench coats doing synchronized choreography. I, I do slightly remember this now. A yes. lot of it's kind of coming back to me. Um, I'm weirdly not against this. I'm not. This is a property that genuinely I'm like, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think that the Matthew Broderick live action movie is canon to something so sacred <laughs> that like you can't try to do something like this again, especially honestly, like that movie I think was much more meant to be much more endearing. Like if you absolutely just made fun of this whole like concept, yeah, it could be so much fun. Yeah. And I think like there are a lot of actors out there that could really, um, I don't, I hate this phrase, but take it on as their own. Like, <laughs> I, there's a there's a handful of actors that if you cast this right, people will be like, yeah, let's go see this guy do it or, or, or whoever we get. It's very specific. And whoever to the young lady who will get the plum role of Penny. Penny. Oof, yeah, this is this is it a was game, like game changer for you. Michelle Trachtenberg. Was it? I think so. Wow. Was it? Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. All right. Like also, <laughs> I didn't even remember this. But the this Inspector Gadget is about a security guard who gets so it's like the six million dollar man. Like he gets so badly injured in an explosion that they have to turn him into a robot. That's the origin story they oh, created. Boy. I actually am like, just don't 
give me an origin story. No, yeah, who cares? I don't care. I just want to be like, yeah, obviously there's a there's a detective who has robotics inside him. (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. We all know him. Okay. Great. Three great properties, some being made, some not being made. (laughs) Guys, it doesn't matter. Originality's dead. So let's move on to our original remade movie. Let's feed the monster. Are you ready to talk about this? Yeah. Guys, this is a reboot of Urban Legend. You're gonna die tonight. Oh, really? Let's see. The call's coming from inside the house. Could it be an urban legend? Am I right? Hello? I don't get shy on me all of a sudden, fuckface. This is the one about the babysitter, right? She's getting those scary, harassing phone calls. And she traces them back. They're coming from inside the house, right? But ask wait, aren't you forgetting something? I'm not babysitting any kids. Wrong legend. This is the one about the old lady who drives her wet dog in the microwave. And then Drano and Pop Rocks. I mean, you're not wrong about his reaction. That's how I would probably react. Also, if anyone tried to do this to my dog, I would find you. <laughs> find you. Like I would hunt you down forever. Yeah. A take a Liam Neeson taken situation. Um, Could you fit Murphy in a microwave? Yes. That's what, that's <laughs> what freaks me out. He's, he's, he's microwavable for sure. Um, wow. Oh boy. Urban legends directed by Jamie blanks. First of all, that sounds like a fake name. Is he related like to someone maybe didn't want their actual name on this movie. Director of such movies as Valentine and long weekend. Um, two movies I've never heard I don't of. know. Stars Alicia Witt as Natalie Simon. Jared Jared Leto is in this yeah. movie as Paul Gardner. Rebecca yeah. Gayhart, a uh, former teen icon, plays Brenda Bates. Uh, Michael, Michael Rosenbaum, Smallville's very own Michael Rosenbaum, plays Parker Riley. And Loretta Devine as Reese Wilson. Um this cast alone, this movie should be in a museum. Like, it's on Joshua Jackson. It belongs in a museum. Tara Reed, like, characters that we had to cut out of our cast because for some reason we we're like, they don't belong in the story. But, like, the performances in this movie, tr- again, I just feel like we're, we're missing, as far as remakes go, we're mm-hmm. missing some of these gems that are offering opportunities. The role of Brenda? What, honestly, what young. Teenage, what young twenty <laughs> something playing a teenager on TV would not want to play this part? Yeah, for sure. I, Truly, I, I had a, I was confused at the at the get go who the lead of this movie was. Well, it's, because at the beginning it's sort of like, oh, here's an ensemble of friends and blah blah blah, and then it felt like it took a while for them to be like, no, Natalie is going to be premium victim number one. That but it's we're gonna, like clearly Natalie, is it? Yeah, because they keep. I I don't know. It it felt like. Any number of these kids, like it could have, it really felt like Tara Reed could have been the lead for a while. It also felt like Jared Leto, maybe because Jared Leto's celebrity now is very confusing to me. Seeing him, yes, and knowing who he becomes, I'm like, oh, maybe Jared Leto is also gonna. Be- oh no, know. he's definitely a side character, um, because of how they make him seem so mysterious. <laughs> I don't get that. But I think what's confusing is that the movie starts with that, which first 
the first scene of this movie is flawless. Um, but then that comes to the thing of like, oh, did you get, did anybody know this girl? And Natalie lies and is like, no, I didn't know her. But she does know her. And so when we get to the part where we realize she knows her, I feel like it just takes a long time to reach that point where we're like, oh, she's connected to this girl who yes. got murdered. Yes. Oh, but we've already met people who are much more famous than Alicia Witt. So we're like, oh, look, Joshua Jackson, teen heartthrob. Tara Jared Reed. Leto, teen heartthrob. Tara Reed, teen heartthrob. Rebecca Gayhart was in an Oxima commercial. Like all this stuff has led us astray. I think you hit the nail right on the head for why I was so confused. Like, why are we watching Alicia Witt and not any of these other more famous actors at the time? Um, and I guess currently, but um, <laughs> so just sort of trying to figure out how to if you could remake this movie, the thing that was really confusing to me um, is that college students shouldn't be afraid of urban legends. Like urban legends to me are things that I got scared about in middle school. And I think maybe in high school, you kind of are still like freaked out about these like small town events where there's mm -hmm. nothing around, but it's really seemed like they were in a populated school campus. I don't, I don't know. This is I hear what you that, like, I hear old, what you're older, saying. Like 20 year olds are like freaked out about, it's interesting that because now that I think about it, there are certain urban legends that I feel like are made to protect kids out trying to like drive around, get into trouble, which is a very sort of high school. Yes. You're just you don't do that same sort of thing when you're all like all you and all your friends are living in one place. But at the same time, the way that they play some of these urban legends, I'm like, yeah, like I said, the opening scene this girl, I mean, I don't know where she's going, but it is it is maybe they're playing on a different fear, which isn't necessarily like because truly the the thing you're trying to warn people about with that one is don't judge a book by its cover. Because <laughs> the problem is that she assumes that Brad Dourif, which sure, Brad Dourif has a cameo in this movie, but she assumes that he's trying to kill her instead of like listening first mm -hmm. which i mean brings up all these issues of I'll, i would have run too if someone tried to lock me in but also like she should have listened because he saw that there was a man in her car but you're right in that i think there's some like i like they're all trying to sort of relate it but these characters act like like children in such a way that i'm like maybe there is a connection here between how like you're they just haven't reached a level of maturity yet to not be scared this, of this stuff. You bring up a good point, and I'm I'm going to weave this into the character of Natalie because there are going to be plenty of times while we talk about this about why this movie is essentially like a pretty ripped off version of Scream mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, you're right; like they're much older than the characters in Scream. The personal history between Sydney and Scream and Natalie and Urban Legend, Sydney's whole family history appears within. Three minutes. So it's like the Drew Barrymore death. And yeah. then we learn about Sydney and that her mom was brutally murdered uh, in the town like, some time ago. Right. Yeah. And you figure that out immediately. Yes. Yes. Natalie, it takes a long time to figure out what is going on. And then when you find out what actually happened, it's so stupid. Because she, <laughs> like, she, here's the thing. She feels so much guilt, which she was not responsible for in any way, shape or form. Her dumb friend was. Right. And they accidentally kill someone in an accident. They accidentally kill someone in a, in a car accident. That's what right. I had to say. By trying to like do 
an urban by trying to like actually do what an urban legend says. Yes. We were in my car one night. Michelle was driving. The story about the gang high beam initiation going around. She wanted to play a practical joke. So she turned the headlights off and waited for the first car to pass by and flash us. When someone finally did, she made a U-turn and started chasing him, flashing her head beams, laughing. I was laughing too at first, but then we started going really fast. I wanted to tell her to stop, but I just sat there. And then the other car lost control and ran off the road. I don't get it. Like, I but don't that's understand. Like, like, like why? I think that it's, but what's odd is that we don't understand that that happens until, so, you're right. We don't understand that that happens until so late that we're like, oh, that's the thing about the urban legends. And Natalie, Alicia Witt's performance of Natalie, it, it really seems like because she doesn't come out and say that specific connecting tissue. Yeah. That she seems kind of blase about the whole thing until she's. Then eventually having a panic attack about two deaths, one of which no one believes her of. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Here's the thing, though. I get Natalie because truly nobody in this movie cares about her. (laughs) Nobody. No one does. She. I don't care about her. Like, I am so (laughs) bored about her that I'm just like, wow. Like, her, your former best friend died. Uh, first of all, these two girls got away scot free. I like. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know what kind of justice system is going on in this reality. But also, well, I mean, the same one that let Rebecca Gayhart get away with probation. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna bring this up. <laughs> okay, we won't talk about it. Then. I didn't know. I didn't know what what we should talk about. But yes, uh, Google Rebecca Gayhart. Um, I, I, what was my point? The the crime on which they committed apparently mm-hmm. seems that they confessed to, and then it was deemed an accident, but yet somehow. The killer, who obviously we'll talk about later, the killer deems it not so and comes after them in the most convoluted way. Like, it's so insane. It's so insane. And the problem is she, like, she, Natalie needs a, well, I guess this is me saying we should have seen it coming. Because I want to say Natalie just needs a better friend. Like, Brenda is supposed to be, I guess, her closer friend. Mm And truly everybody, like she tells all her, she tells all her friends who are mutual friends with Joshua Jackson that she saw him get killed. And everybody is just like, nah, he's on a ski trip. You're tripping. He has a dummy. And so he He plays jokes. And I was like, are they for real that they do not like this man is friends with every single one of these people and nobody is curious. It was a mannequin, Natalie. Damon uses it all the time to scare pledges during hazing. He also has this life-size blow-up doll. You probably don't want to know about that. It wasn't a mannequin, Parker. Damon was dead. Come on, Nat. Damon is the best practical joker on this campus, all right? I mean, he once convinced a freshman he was the middle Hanson brother just so he can get laid. Okay, Parker, shouldn't he be here enjoying his handiwork? Weekend snowboarding trip. Some last fling bachelor party with some high school buddies. Come on. This predates... Cell phones, kind of, in a in, in a, a casual sense, yeah. right? So no one's really like 
texting or calling to see if anyone's like legit dead. I honestly don't know how to deal with this remake because the motivations of the killer don't make sense. Natalie herself is not likable in any way. Um, I'm going to go first just because I am talking about her. Mm -hmm. So I needed to find a Natalie that felt more 2019. Someone who was maybe overly concerned, especially like or maybe overly empathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, What I kept coming back to for some weird idea, and I don't think this is like the best idea. It was just sort of like my first idea is the idea is like, yeah, we now live in, quote unquote, a post-truth kind of world, you know, like the idea of these like stories coming out and people not believing them makes more sense to me in that context. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. Um, and so I wanted to pick an actress who was young and uh, a little more energetic and I thought could, could you know, panic when, when things go wrong. Um, I'm going to butcher her name, but uh, I ended up picking a, an actress named Geraldine Viswanathan from Blockers and Miracle Workers. Oh. She's, she plays okay. John Cena's daughter in yes. Blockers. She's the main... Mm-hmm. Block, mm-hmm. blocky. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, but she had—I don't know. She's mostly in comedies now, but I, I don't know. I, I had this idea that like she could be a little more. Um, I I hesitate to say the word modern, Natalie. But but truly, she feels real to me. Like, yeah. The thing about this movie that drove me nuts, which we sort of touched upon for like ten minutes already, is that um, I don't know, like. If Natalie is the target of this like serial murder, I think originally we would think it would be a little I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't I don't really have a point about this. That's just who I picked and I liked her and I I think there's so many ways to step up Natalie as as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think maybe I was coming from a place that was like I've seen this actress as someone who's always in sort of like cheerful spots. Uh let's see, you know, Let's see a woman whose life kind of goes sideways on her a little bit, you know, like when yeah. when people start getting murdered around you, like that that takes a really dark turn. Because uh, in a, I see what you're saying about how like the Alicia Witt's performance is not as masterful. As, I don't know why it's funny to talk about it like this, but it's not as good as like Nev Campbell, right? Who honestly just seems like a really like sort of disturbed youth from the jump because you compare her to you compare her to um tatum who is like her wild child best like free just so so much such a different personality that you see sydney and you're like oh she's just she's still dealing with some stuff like sydney has ptsd natalie but not in a particularly like good because i can see it being like okay play the characters if you have stuffed all this like bad stuff that's happened completely down and then it explodes later when you're like it's all coming back to haunt me it doesn't play like that and so that's a little like if it was more like that and it was and her performance was much more like oh okay no like i i'm just in a weird place and i think that would be and so yeah i agree in that you want to pick someone who just feels like they could give a more honest performance because whatever Alicia Witt's doing is not <laughs> the best version to help us understand who Natalie is. Yes. Uh, this is how I'm going to circle this square. Is that the phrase? Y- square y- the circle? Circle this? I think it's circle the square. Okay. I have started seeing a, a very 
big trend in horror movies in recent years where the main female protagonist isn't as precious Mm -hmm. as maybe they used to be. Yeah. And I think this, I think um, Geraldine wouldn't be a precious victim or target, however you want to label this kind of archetype. So that's my pick. I agree. I think that's great. great. I think I also sort of took a similar perspective in that I picked someone for Natalie who I was just like, I feel like she could just be a lot stronger in the sense that like she wouldn't just be nothing. Mm-hmm. I think there would be a perspective to this. And as someone who has played sort of both like for my pick, someone who has played a sort of rom-com lead as well as like a like someone who is a lot darker and heavier and more like action oriented. Like I think she – has range and would be fun to watch as just like normal girl, Natalie, whose crazy roommate is murdered directly next to her one night. Um, So I picked, we'll talk about Tosh. I picked Lana Condor of to all the boys I've loved before of X-Men, whichever X-Men that was of what's that? The class is that what class deadly class. Uh, she's she's great. I, I really enjoyed Tall the Boys. I've loved. Uh, I haven't seen anything. Oh, she was in Alita Battle Angel. I did see that. Yeah, you don't did. remember her in it. But um, no, but I, th- I think it sort of has a similar parallel to my pick is that they represent a, a, a more formed character mm-hmm. as a as a as a college student today, as opposed to just the kind of scream queen. I think today people just want to see something. Like, Ready or Not is a great example. Midsommar yeah. is a great example of just actual tangible people that are being chased by crazy killers and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is a great pick. Yeah. Are we done? Um, are we moving on? Yes, we're moving on to... To Paul. Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul, played by Jared Leto, which is so crazy. I didn't realize he was even in this movie until I, like, rented it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was fully ready for some crazy ass Jared Leto method acting. <laughs> and what I got was a pretty straightforward this was early Leto. Yeah. Um, but good guy news reporter. Like he's supposed to be kind of like a, um, a like a muckraker. You know, is that the right term? The, like, like the, the, it's like a tab, almost like tabloid esque in his journalism yeah. ethics. Like at one point he was literally like, I dropped out of journalism ethics because it was boring or something dumb like that. <laughs> and I'm listening to it like, is that supposed to make you sexy? Because it kind of makes me sad. I know. I, I um, But we all kind of knew kids, at, especially at film school, who just sort of, you know, I feel like there were a lot of self-important kids. In oh, college. for you know sure. What I mean? Especially in film school. Woof. And so I actually really enjoyed this character. I thought... The bummer of this character is at the end, they, again, trying to copy Scream, it's like, what if we reveal that there were actually two killers and Paul's, like, actually into whatever uh, Brenda is doing? Spoiler, Brenda's the killer, and you can kind of see it, like, from minute one. Yeah. But um, then they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, what if Paul is, like, into it? And then psych, he's not. He's actually good. Very well done. I couldn't have planned it better myself. Really? Oh, Yeah. I mean, I thought I was screwed after Natalie here fucked it up for me with the Dean. This, this is just what I need. A few things, though, okay? I'm listening. Well, I need some details for my article. You know, about how Wexler did each one. 
details only you could give me. Would be great for your career. And we would be so fucking hot together, Paul. And I'd be very grateful. So why don't you give me the gun? I'll take care of the rest. You're cute, Paul. But you're not that fucking cute. I don't but know. I don't know. You kind weird. of you kind of see that coming a mile away because he's sort without doing it. He's sort of winking at Natalie like I got this. Yeah. But he don't got that. Um, I would not be shocked if you told me Jared Leto was fifty years old in this movie. <laughs> really? He is. He's ageless. He looks inc- He looks the he looks same the same now. Um, and he's like what 40, 47. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know who he sold his soul to, but he looks fantastic. And he really does have that. I don't know how they got him for this because at the time he was like a, I mean, 30 seconds tomorrow wasn't touring. So that's probably why. (laughs) Is that the name of his band? 30 seconds tomorrow. I'm always like 30 days tomorrow. What is this fucking thing? Um, but cause he was pretty, he was like popular in the teen sphere, Mm -hmm. but I think he's so perfect because he is supposed to be the person that we, when we get to the point where we they find the body in the back of his car and they're like, oh, it's him. We are sp- totally supposed to be on board because he is the mysterious, charming, blue-eyed, stranger kind of mm-hmm. guy that we're like, oh, yeah. Like, what do we really know about him? And I think it, he's perfect for that because I think it, that is who he probably thought he was when he was a teenager. <laughs> Well, who do you think is perfect now? Okay, so I also wanted to pick someone who I think is j- truly would just be a great sort of like in in making fun of this movie, you could easily put in like a sound effect every time Paul appears. It's just like chimes. Of, he's almost like an angel appearing. <laughs> like he shows up and like he's just like serving blue steel to all the women and Brenda's like, "Paul, I feel like he should always have just come out of some like hard weather. Like, <laughs> like there should just be like leaves he has to brush off. He's always just like shaking off his coat and <laughs> yeah. like walking into rooms. <laughs> and he's always busy. He always has some. Yes. He always seems to be. He can't stay long. Somewhere. He can't stay long because he's on his way. But really, that's what the character gives you is just like he appears. Mm-hmm. He's almost too attractive to be hang out with any of these people. Yeah. But you just get this like weird sleazy sort of Parker. Let me let me get this straight. When this happened uh, 25 years ago, you were a sophomore. It's funny. Well, it's a bullshit story you hear on every campus in the Northeast. Thank you. I mean, where's the proof? You see, that's the thing. Pendleton knew damn well that enrollment suffer permanently so in cahoots with the national news media and various other powerful Lee Harvey Oswald or is it Jack Ruby no 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 I know who it was it was that FBI guy who used to used to prance around in women's underwear he's the guy that covered it all up huh oh that's the newsroom I gotta go Anyway, I picked Dacre Montgomery from Stranger oh, Things yeah. Yeah. Um, and Power Rangers. I didn't want to not say that because you're obsessed with it. I am. And kind of, we have to go to the Krispy Kreme. I, know. I don't want to laugh because it's not funny. <laughs> a character came back from the dead 
And their first words were, Jason, we have to get to the Krispy Kreme. Do you understand that a writer wrote that? Yeah. And then an actor said those lines yeah. with emotion and feeling? They go with the joke for so long. It's insane. Anyway, I, lo- I love Dacre Montgomery. Honestly, mm-hmm. the best thing about Stranger Things at, the- at this point, well, I mean, spoilers, maybe not in the future, but... Oh, he died. I, I, I don't. I. It was. I, I guess it was sort of ambiguous. But yeah, he's kind of dead. Mm. But I, I mean, the thing I, I loved the most about Stranger Things was just him on the press tour because I think he's fabulous and charming and lovely, and I think he'd be great at this. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Sultry, not sultry, but like steamy, kind of like mysterious. Like he shows really up, really too good looking. Yes, he shows up, and everybody is just a little bit like, "This is a fake." This is like a cop at our school. Like he's a fake <laughs> student. He's not real. He but at the same time, really they're all like, he's so he hot. Much older yeah. and hotter than everyone here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I do think he's really talented. Me too. Um, I I had a weird first of all, I enjoy the idea that there is some kind of like kind of a hardo uh, journalism student after the truth, especially in, again, like this, you know, the, the current climate of, of journalism that we're in is like constantly trying to like figure out what's really going on or mm-hmm. something like that. And for some reason, I <laughs> maybe because I just kept thinking about um, like who are like young reporters that we all like know, which is a weird question to say. But like I ended up picking someone who kind of resembled like a Ronan Farrow kind of thing. I was going to say, wait, did you cast Ronan I Farrow I did in this, this like, movie? Subconsciously because I was like, wait, this is really strange. Um, I ended up picking Dylan Sprouse. Now, let me hear me out here. Whoa. Everyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows that I am fully on board the Cole Sprouse train. Yeah. I own a majority of stock in his career. And I own a little bit of stock in Dylan's. But here's the thing. Cole, <laughs> I feel like- Cole is Cole legit is gonna be like in a fucking Spider-Man movie in two years, and then that's it. He's 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 going to launch forever and he's not gonna be doing urban legends remakes. No. You know what I mean? But Dylan, you're gonna get the same intelligence, the same fan base, the same kind of like teen fervor. The same face. The same face. Yeah. <laughs> same level talent, I believe. Uh, as Cole, but at a lower price. You know what I mean? Like it's so funny because when I thought to myself, okay, if I just wanted to cast like who is who is the Jared, who is the hot teen heartthrob that we could slide in, and my immediate thought was, it is Cole, Cole Sprouse, Sprouse. Yes, which I just cast him in something, so I couldn't do that. But this is honestly a great loophole. Yes, it is. <laughs> and let me just say this real quick. I I think Dylan is is probably just as good. I. I don't know that, but um, I watched uh, some of D- Dismissed. And what I liked, what, this is what I thought about Paul as a character, is that I think we need to see more doubt in Natalie about Paul. Mm-hmm. And I think Dylan has a chance to maybe break into, like, Jude Law character shit. Um, especially, That's a bold statement. Yeah, I know. Like, why not Like why not do something different than what your brother is doing? You know what I mean? And, and I think Paul needs to be somewhat... M- less trusting than he currently is Mm -hmm. and i think a sprouse twin could really pull that off specifically dylan because he's cheaper um okay let's i feel like we have exhausted paul and we've we're not exhausted we have given him the time he deserves but it is time to get to arguably the best character in this whole movie brenda brenda 
played by Rebecca Gayhart. Um, who, you know, at, at the time, I, I would say was either on her way or equal to some of the most like sought after mm-hmm. female teen stars of her time. Like, yeah. Probably below Sarah Michelle Gellar, probably below Jennifer Love Hewitt, mm-hmm. but probably the same as like Sh- Sharon Elizabeth. Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Uh, Tara Reid. Like American Pie hadn't really come out, so Tara Reid and her were probably on the same footing. But she was doing – like she was well on her way to make – because she was doing lots of teen movies mm-hmm. and then – yeah. And then things just sort of – like there's a part where like she's just doing like sort of bit parts in in yeah. in TV shows. I wonder if this movie had an adverse effect on her career because she plays this role. Like as soon as you find out that Brenda is the killer and why she's the killer, mm-hmm. she goes off the rails, like completely manic, broad, insane, cackling, twitchy villainess, and it is weird but it's also but also it's good what i must say natalie you have proved your friendship to me coming all the way out here to rescue me without even a little pepper spray to defend yourself very endearing excuse me i'm sorry but i can't understand a thing you're saying doll now if i remove the gag You've got to promise me that you won't scream. Lord knows I had enough of that with Sasha. (laughs) You're fucking crazy. (laughs) I prefer the term eccentric. But, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a little nutty. I think she does a great job because... She's so like even like, yeah, you're like, okay, this girl's maybe a little ditzy. Like maybe she's maybe she's not the intellectual that we're supposed to think Natalie is. But like we don't have any reason not to trust her, even though when you look back, you're like, well, yeah, obviously she just like appears. She's like the new friend. We don't really know much about her. I I don't know. I was really into the reveal scene because I think she plays it enough as like clearly there's something wrong with her. But you know that she's a killer from like 30 minutes into the movie. And specifically when Natalie is watching Brenda at pool practice and Brenda's the only one at pool practice, pool practice, swim practice, (laughs) pool practice practice. at swim practice. And then suddenly a a person enters in a full parka coat. And then Natalie's like, get out of that water. And then it's like the person turns and it's like, oh, another person on the swim team. It's like, What? You know that she had to pay that person to do this at this exact moment, but right? Also, why would anyone appear for pool practice in a parka? Kenna, pool practice in a parka, please, please. I got all Schmidt from New York. Come on, you did. Here's the thing, though, is that they're all like at this at that point in the story, though. I think we're still on the train of like it could be Wexler. Like, we haven't diminished the other people that we don't really know that well. I wish it was Wexler. I wish for once it's like the guy you think it is. I'll say this. I think a way to update this movie is to truly just tell a similar story, but send us on a different 
trail of clues uh-huh. because ultimately there's lots of people who you would be fine if you're like, Oh, they did it. Especially if you think it's going to be the best friend. Yeah. But yeah, I think it would be fun to switch it up and have all these similar characters, but then just be like, Oh, this yeah. time. So everything about this character, in my opinion, would have to change. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I just thought her motivation was so strange. Like, First, her whole motivation is to kill Natalie because she's somewhat responsible, somewhat was responsible for killing uh, Brenda's high school boyfriend, and and so she can't move on from that. This guy was apparently like the love of her life. Yeah. There's n- no Game other man yeah. in the world. She's Game never over, yeah. forget it. Stop, stop. We can stop. Um, I, I is this bad to say? Like I, I, I would believe Brenda would just want to kill Natalie over Paul. Rather than her high school boyfriend. Like, I could almost believe a character who's just like, just feels like. We wouldn't like, want that to happen, but I guess. Right? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Well, what doesn't make sense is that she, so the very first kill of the movie is she kills the girl behind the wheel of the car mm-hmm. who killed her boyfriend. Yes. Cool. That's done. So then, presumably, she just wants to go and get Natalie too, but they go on this long roundabout journey of her killing like all these other people. Yeah. And he, here's another thing that bothered me. You cannot get a full swing of an ax in a car. Well, did you read the trivia about this? No. Because they were going to use a different car until they realized <laughs> that you cannot swing an ax in that car. And so they opted for a larger vehicle for the opening scene because they so tested they switched swinging it to like an a GMC, like, Explorer, whatever this massive SUV was, yeah. so they so, so they, they could, could swing an like, axe inside. Well, great! It still felt like there's no way that you could do this. Also, also, why did you? She had to just to just to follow the urban legends doesn't make any sense. Why didn't she just kill? It's weird too because as I know it, the the legend doesn't hinge on it being like an axe murderer. It's just a guy with a knife. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems weird. You know, in the urban legend. Urban legend. Maybe the knife was too much like Scream, and they're like, well, we got to up it. Which up. is the whole, which, see, that's the way you remake this story is hinged on the fact that like urban legends are stories, are oral traditions that you pass on to people through. And so it's like maybe there are little things that are like off about it this time mm-hmm. because when you retell it, it's people being like, no, 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 you're telling it wrong. It's really this. Maybe I, 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 I don't have a great ha- handle on how I would take this movie into the future, but <laughs> I ended up casting Eliza Scallon, Scanlon, uh, Scanlon from Sharp Objects, mm-hmm. uh, who plays a creepy young teen. Yeah, murderess. she's creepy. She's creepy. Don't tell mama. Oh my god! Don't tell mama. That was the only episode I watched. It was like the really? last twenty minutes, and all the teeth are in the dollhouse, and she's just like, "Don't tell mama." I'm like, Ugh. you didn't watch any of that whole series? It was really no, good. No. I missed it. <laughs> On purpose. <laughs> On purpose. Uh, I must have not been there for that. Um, no, that's. I think that's a really solid choice because she clearly can play a creepy kid. Yeah. I don't know what I like. I, I, I'm having trouble like saying why I picked this person other than like they could play this iteration of this movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was just like having a day but i just kept thinking like you know brenda being the killer is just very anti-millennial like she can't handle the death of her boyfriend Mm -hmm. so she like creates this convoluted murder scheme to kill two other girls it's like just shoot him in the face like also if life was so unworth living why didn't she just like drive her car into 
but also Natalie and her friend and just be done with it. Like the funny thing is, I feel like in a way, the way she does it is so entirely millennial. No, no, no. It's entirely Gen Z. How like she does it in the most roundabout, like theatrical she's way. She's the Logan Paul of serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're like saying. she's, for, she's for the TikTok vlog views. squad, like rolling in with a camera, like, no, 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 do it, do it. No, it'll be crazy. It'll be crazy if you do it like this. Like instead of just oh, being like, you know, God. you can kill someone just by like, you know, stabbing them. Oh God. Anyways, that's what I <laughs> Who did you pick? Um, for my Brenda, I picked Lily Reinhardt. Oh, who is Riverdale. A, who's appeared most recently in Hustlers. Hustlers. I really, because I haven't seen a ton of Riverdale, and so I can't say that I know I her. I have. Yeah, okay, yes, we know. So, but I really enjoyed her, and like, her and Kiki Palmer is the girls who sort of come in later into this scheme. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really, she was really funny, and she was really, um, charming and I was like I would love to see whether or not we decide to pin you know in the remake I'm already writing whether or not we pin it on Brenda in the end like she's our goal to be the killer it would be really interesting to even like make her a red herring and be like maybe she's crazy when really she's just like not anyway I feel like she if if that were the case she would sink her teeth into this I I think this is a great part because you can have fun with it yeah, like I, just I, go like if the movie were to play exactly the same way, just go over the top with it. It's fun. Yeah, I, 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 I think what um, drove me nuts about this last thing on Brenda and why I, I'm struggling with this is that like the glee in which she takes in murdering Natalie or trying to kill Natalie. Um, I understand that that's. I mean, that's it's basically Scream. Mm-hmm. It's Matthew Lillard and Scream. Yeah, St- Stu and. Billy. Billy, you know, like their plan has finally come together and they're just savoring this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that rang true to me is like two demented, like white boys in the suburbs who are like going to do this thing. But like, do you think I feel like Brenda would just be like, I'm just going to end you right now because you have caused me so much pain in my life that you don't understand like what you've taken from me. Do you think it's because she's a woman that she can't be like fun and crazy? No, that she like literally if says, you, I'm crazy. Do you know what does, I'm saying? She does so say I don't think I'm gender crazy. really has anything to no, do with it. No, what I'm saying is when you see Billy and Stu do it and scream, like it makes sense because you're like, yeah, these are the kids who would watch one too many violent movies and be like, hey, we could do Let's this. Let's not blame movies, Kenna. I, it's not movies. <laughs> don't get me started with the Joker, but it's not movies. Like, I, but like, th- that's literally, well, I mean, what, he, feels- what he says is, don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creating uh, What I'm saying is, I feel like what feels true to that is that, like, truly, there are so few crazy women killers that, like, Maybe. when you see men do it, you're like, well, yeah, they don't even need that much of an excuse. But when you see a woman do it and the excuse feels flimsy, you're like, she wouldn't do that. I don't know. Maybe. I I, I hadn't thought about that. I, I was really just sort of more acting to – acting uh, – Pointing to the idea. What were you acting to? What was I acting to? (laughs) Intimating to the fact that she literally is like, well, I guess I'm a little crazy, but it's like, you're not crazy. You know what you're doing. Like you're sociopathic, maybe like, you know what you're trying to do and you Mm -hmm. have reasons for it. Um, that's, that's all I'm saying, (laughs) but I haven't really considered whether or not it, it feels false because there's not a lot of female serial killers out there that we know of. I'm alone in a room. With Kenneth, <laughs> who's, who's studied so many 
horror movies. It's fine. Truly, there are not many. And yeah, that's the, and that's the interesting thing is I think you might have pinpointed though like a thing with the American psyche of like we believe that men would do this for so little that mm-hmm. we need more from women if you're going to be like oh she's the killer we just have to there has to be weight to what she's doing it can't just be which again I'm I was fine with it but maybe for a lot of people it's like well it can't just be I'm loopy <laughs> like yeah like I I think that's what I'm just looking for like I don't know that's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Ladies, if you're going to be a psychopath, be a grounded psychopath. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's move on to Parker. Parker. Michael Rosenbaum. Um, Parker this... also seems like a combination of Stu and Randy from Scream. Not Billy, but Randy. Like sort of right. like a chatty friend, a little arrogant, a little more arrogant than Randy. Um, yeah. The one who ultimately is like, oh, let me guess. Like it's an urban mm-hmm. legend. And then his dog's in the microwave. Yeah, I also don't have much to say about him other than it's like it was confusing of like who was dating who because at some point I thought he was dating Brenda, but then like Tara Reed was on his lap, and then I was well, like, he's what with is going on? he's with so Parker is with Sasha. Brenda doesn't have someone in the group, but she's interested in Paul, and so Nat and when Natalie's all upset, um, Damon is the one who comes to her to be like, hey, let's go, which. I mean, never trust a man who's like, let's just go somewhere and talk. <laughs> um, that was mistake number one Natalie made. But like, so I think that's the way it shakes out, which isn't apparent at the beginning. So when he rolls up and is like, hey, do you just want to talk? I was just like, he's interested in her. Was was Joshua Jackson only in this movie because Damon was not Pacey from Dawson's Creek? Which like, there is a like, bonkers, like when he turns on his car. Oh, that and was I don't want to wait. Plus, starts playing. A I was like, Dawson's this Creek is joke. great. A plus Dawson's Creek joke. I'm which... on board. I'm on the way. <laughs> which because will live the, forever. The character is so like anti. Even even just like this, even his like everything about him is so like anti Dawson's Creek. Yes. That it's it's just I think that is what it is. It's like, hey, you should come in and we'll do something that like subverts this like sort of like wholesome teen show that you're on. And you can just like do like, yeah, like you're going <laughs> to drink Bob Rocks and, and Coke. And <laughs> but like, why couldn't how Park- did they sell this movie to anyone? <laughs> I don't know. Why couldn't Parker and Damon have been the same character? That's a great question because one of them had one of them had to, to die, die before the other. I guess, like, I don't know. In a, you're right in a way that he is that sort of. If we're comparing it to Scream, he does have that Randy quality of you. Sort of need someone to have the skeptic's voice of, yeah, but like how, like what, yeah. is, what's really going on? Yeah. Even though in the end it comes off so cavalier. I've, I've got a legend that you, you may or you may not have heard of, Paul. You see this. Mediocre Woodward and Bernstein wannabe realizes shit. I'm gonna graduate in a couple of weeks and end up writing gardening tips for Martha Stewart's living. Unless, hang on, hang on. Unless I get a really hot story, you know, something that really flies. I got it. I got it. I'll take advantage of my homicidal instincts and I'll start killing people in a trendy, attention getting, cover story kind of way, facing them on urban legends. Anyways. Who did you pick? I picked for my Parker. And really, this is just justice for how I feel like I betrayed him last time. Mm. 
I picked Charles Melton. And I did because I think he, again, is incredibly charming and fun and would do great at really anything. But I think it would be cool if I think he could totally be like a dude bro. Wait, so you picked two Riverdale people? Yeah, it's fine. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, (laughs) we should have just been like in the 90s. Let's scramble the Riverdale cast to be urban legend. But here's the thing. In the 90s, they were literally just pulling these kids off of TV to be like, they love you. Like, Mm -hmm. we need to put you in a horror movie. And so it was just a mishmash of like 90s TV actors in all these like horror movies and everything. Like, yeah, why not? Yeah, no, he he would play douchey really well. He would play that like over the top douchey where you're just like, why do you guys hang out with this person? Like, yeah, it's almost sort of like he would have to be like, this was something that I didn't understand about Parker. Like, was Parker rich? Like, why did they hang out with this guy? He wasn't like overtly mean to any of them. This like, is yet again an example of like, like why are so Damon and Parker other? are in a fraternity? I think we're supposed to believe. Oh, okay. And so it's this weird instance where for some reason these two frat guys are hanging out with a bunch of girls who are not Greek, but are some for some reason like attracted to these. Greek, you mean right? <laughs> yeah. Why are fr- why are frat guys <laughs> trying to hang out with girls that aren't Greek? You mean, yeah, I, I like sorority girls who aren't in the Greek system. Yes, yes. Well, Listen. they're guys. They don't. Care. They don't care. But I, I mean, in my experience, it's not that it's entirely exclusive, but it's just an odd thing that they're like this close group of friends is just like these two frat guys and then these like random grouping yeah. of girls, and one of them has a radio show. <laughs> That's true. Like a very raunchy. And this is something else that on I, a, I, yeah on your like university radio station. A giving really bad advice. B was being very mean to these people. Ru- so rude. Um. The sex, the like the sexy, quote unquote, sexiness of this movie felt so forced. Like we haven't talked about Tosh at all, but because they because these people, her whole sexual identity is rough. Tosh, rough. I I would watch an entire movie about Tosh. I want to know where she came from. Just like a gothic sub who just why she's so mad. Why she's so so angry at Natalie. I thought she was gonna have something to do with the story, but nope. She's just like supposed to be like a terrible roommate. But it's like, this girl's in pain. Like, someone she, reach out to her. Natalie picks up a bottle of lithium off of her side of the room to be like, oh, I'm sorry you dropped these. And she's not like, oh, my gosh, my roommate is, like, really is going through something. <laughs> like, these it, kids have no empathy. Yeah, I don't know. Poor Tosh. Justice for Tosh. Um, this is so funny that you picked an Asian man for this role. I also picked an Asian man. <gasps> but I picked Remy He from Spider-Man from Far From Home. Who's a little – he played the yes. older – this is so weird. So Remy is 33 and this summer played a 17-year-old kid. I mean if – wait. You're, wait a second. What? I was thinking of the right person. I did see Spider-Man Far From Home. But when I when I was like, oh, yeah, like he looked – like he didn't look – that much older, like especially not older than Zendaya, like it's fine. But in his picture that just popped up on the internet, I'm like, this man is 35 years old. Why <laughs> would you cast him? But okay, lo- sort of looking at him now in different, like in different pictures, I'm like, yeah, he plays young. Isn't that crazy? Good for him. Um, the re- well, a couple reasons I didn't go with uh, Charles Mel- Melton. Mm-hmm. Well, you just Who, picked him. Yeah. The reason I didn't pick Charles Melton is because I just literally picked picked him two weeks ago. And um, I thought Remy's character in Spider-Man played a nice even keel of like 
really nice and friendly, but also kind of fucking douchey. You know, Mm -hmm. like something about the overtly douchey kid in a movie doesn't make sense to me anymore. Like you watch a lot of teen movies now. Everyone is generally kind of nice to one another. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. It's much different than like what teen stories were like in the 90s. Yeah. Like um, Booksmart. Everyone in Booksmart is pretty much nice to people. Like everyone's kind of pretty much kind to one another Mm -hmm. to some extent. I mean, there's some friction between characters or else the movie would be boring as fuck. But like the old archetype of like jock and nerd and princess, you know, like the more that that has like those lines have faded, the more I've really enjoyed like a teen douchebag because yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's also more true to true to life because it's that thing of like we learn from movies that you will be able to tell a bully immediately because he's wearing a Letterman jacket and like shoving nerds into right. lockers as he walks down the hall when really you don't know the bully until you're alone with them. Yes. And they're acting out of their like public character. But it's also that like 21 Jump Street style like twist where like they go back to school and Channing Tatum's like don't worry I got this I'm gonna be the popular kid no worries and he finds out that like what used to be popular is not popular yeah and that's the that's the that's the new millennial Gen Z vibe is like what's cool is not what was like what's cool cool. is just like staying with your identity and being true to that which is wild can you imagine um (laughs) I was gonna say which is cool so Um, what was I gonna say I was just I was just thinking about um we don't care when Parker dies. We don't care when Sasha dies. We don't care when any of these kids die. We really don't. I cared a little bit when Sasha died, but her death took a long time. It really took a long time. Yeah. It took like 15 minutes and no one came for her. Oh, I cared more for her assistant because I was like, this man this doesn't even have a name. He doesn't even have a full button shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, which brings me to our next character, Reese. The campus security guard, played by Loretta Devine. In an um, inspired piece of casting. Um, incredible. Incredible. My favorite character. I thought this movie should be entirely about Reese. Here's the problem. Like, I don't care about any of these victims. And so when they die, I don't mm-hmm. care. So why is Reese running around desperately trying to save these kids' lives that none of us really care about? Like, yeah. we don't care. Reese, on the other hand, is she the only... Security guard on campus? She's the only, is she, she's the only campus cop. Is she the only campus she's security? There all hours of the day. She is overworked and underpaid, and she should have been the main character of this movie. Can you Preach. imagine? Like, that, I think, is a much better horror movie. Maybe we, maybe I should save this. for. I mean, it, it's out there. People are going to draw the lines of what I'm about to say. But, like, a horror movie about the security guard would delight me to no end. Where it's just like, why are all these white kids fucking dying? <laughs> Especially if it's Loretta Devine being like, I don't. But also, I just wish they gave her more. uh, I wish she had her own. Because there's a point where she's like calling the like big police, I think. But then we find out like she is big police. (laughs) Pool practice. (laughs) Here's the thing. I don't want to say real police because I I, campus police are real police just on a smaller scale. So I didn't want to be like state police, county police. She's calling like city police. Yes. Are you sure it's blood? Yes, I'm sure it's blood. I'm covered in it. Okay, well, due to the storm, all units are presently responding to calls. A unit has been notified. Chaps, my heart. It's the way you pledged an oath to serve and protect, and then you don't give a rat's ass when something really happens. Hold, please. 
but then we find out like she is fully armed. She's fully capable of like going out and conducting her own investigation and just like seeing what's right. up. But it seems sort of like the first thing she does is just like help. And I'm like, no, man, yeah. I kind of want to see her just be like, OK, let come at me. Here's my elevator pitch for the Reese Wilson. OK. Centered horror movie. Let me press the button. We're going up to the floor. Ready? Go. It's Zodiac. We're already there. <laughs> oh, no. Have a nice day. <laughs> I'm moving back. I'm moving back east. It's Zodiac meets Hidden Figures. There you go. Come on. That's getting cut out of this podcast. Why? We're not, it would be great. We're not saying that you should make a movie that is Zodiac meets Hidden Figures. I'm not figures. saying it's going to be exactly like Hidden Figures, but an underappreciated person <laughs> of color working at a fucking I like predominantly how- Caucasian Ivy League school. And then suddenly there's a string of murders and she can't help. She's just like dismissed. And she's like, motherfucker, I am smart, capable, and the only one that's connecting the fucking dots here. You would watch that fucking movie. I like how when you tried to defend it, you said it wouldn't be exactly like Hidden Figures. I mean, instead of, it would. It wouldn't be exactly like Zodiac. Okay, so it wouldn't <laughs> break the color barrier of, of campus security cops. But but I do I do think that we have to stay with the with the tone and theme here I because agree. that's what that's what, like it. It took it to a place, but we just. Could have gone a little farther. You're talking about like the casting. Yes. Uh, I agree, which is why I picked Danielle Brooks from Orange is the New Black. <sighs> That's a great choice. She's great. And she's I haven't awesome. Watched, I haven't watched that show in a long, long time, but mm-hmm. she's the only one I really remember. It's like her. The only story I eyes. care about is Tasty and Pusey. Yes. Yeah. The only story. Yeah. So. I just realized what their names put together is. Yeah. <laughs> They is that on purpose? Did that on purpose for oh, sure. Boy, okay. Um, I felt like I I went in a similar direction ultimately because this woman is a comedian in the way that I think Danielle Brooks is a comedic actress, mm-hmm. but also I think she could just be because I really like that choice. I like that she would be just much more capable, and mm-hmm. I think she would have a lot more a lot more chutzpah to just be like, I'm gonna try this on my own. Yeah. So anyway, I picked Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. I mean, but they get it. It's like, why is this character even here other than to like kind of be funny? Mm-hmm. To, it's like LL Cool J in H2O. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What? What is going on? Why this was anyone so in H2O? Capable. I don't know. Yeah. It would be like Silence of the Lambs. Uh, nope. Don't, 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 start, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely getting That's cut That's so awful. Uh, that's our cast. I think we did a pretty good job for we a did it. that really kind of falls apart. I mean, it's, it, it is a beautiful late nineties, <laughs> uh, simulacrum of a classic Hollywood film. It's yeah. a copy of a copy without an original. It's fun. It's fun. Um, but let's get to the meat of it. Where does Barry Pepper go? Totally good. The weird janitor. <laughs> Weird janitor. Whose actual name in the credits is Weird Janitor. That's true. He is. But Here's the thing. Janitor. Here's the thing. I wouldn't cast him as Wexler because Robert England's, I feel like it's a great place to stunt cast someone. And Robert England does such a great job in that part. I would I would want to give it to another horror legend. Who? 
Jackie Earl Haley just get another no. Freddy Krueger in Jackie there? Earl Haley it doesn't sit on the same level as Rod. Just because he played Freddy Krueger doesn't mean he is Freddy Krueger. I don't, I don't, like, I understand the reason why they casted it, uh, Freddy Krueger as, as the, because it's a, it's a red herring. It's like, oh, he plays, you know, he's a former nightmare icon. But it's also great because he's, he's like what just, you're going to get spooky enough to be like, I cast Barry Pepper as Wexler because he's the best actor for that role. I don't, I disagree. Well, who, okay. So who, who, who would be a modern day Robert, Robert England to put. Any of the bodybuilders who played Mike Myers. Skeet Ulrich. (laughs) I was thinking, so the whole (laughs) cast of Riverdale, it's just the whole cast of Riverdale. I would love it. First of all, because he looks fantastic. He does. Second of all. Billy I Loomis, mean, man. He's actually too attractive to be a college professor. Okay. It would, it would, your brain would be like, why aren't all of these students just having sex with this guy? Okay. Matthew Lillard. I could get down on that. I, I really actually enjoy Matthew Lillard. Uh, fun real story about Matthew Lillard. Apparently, my a buddy of mine is a bartender in San Francisco. Matthew Lillard walks in and just like buys everyone's drinks. That's the kind of scream money. He knows how to party. <laughs> that's the kind of money scream gets you. Do you understand? Do we think that's the money scream got him or do we think that's the money Scooby-Doo got him? Ooh, Scooby-Doo probably. Because Scooby- Scooby-Doo made bank. There were like three sequels. <laughs> and he's in all of them. He's only in one scream. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Um, I have a question. Which is your favorite urban legend? Ooh, um, my favorite. So when, this is a weird story. When I, when I was in middle school, I would walk to the library before karate practice. <laughs> fun fact about Brian. He used to take karate lessons. Ah, how fun. Um, Guess who's a stereotype. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they used to have these books that were like, like it was like an urban legends graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And I would read that thing all the time. The one I really remember is the organs. The one they didn't do is like the organs. In the, the harvesting bathtub. her organs. Yeah. Um, I liked, I liked the scratching on the roof. Oh, the like boyfriend's feet. Yeah, that one was good. The Damon's death. That one's probably my favorite. Or like, because sometimes I feel like I've heard it before where like he's already, he's not like dying, but he's already dead and it's his like fingers. Yeah. On the. Something like that, right? Or he's being dragged behind the car. Oh, I've never heard that. Um, My favorite one that still scares me sometimes is someone cutting my ankles under the car. Oh. When that happens to the dean or like whoever he is, the principal of college. (laughs) (laughs) Principal of pool party college? (laughs) Pool practice college? I was like, yeah, I'm still scared that that's going to happen to me. And then also I feel like it's a double whammy because he dies by being impaled on those like tire cutter things. And I hate those things. Yeah, that's that's awful. Yeah. All right. Is that it? I think so. How do I end this episode? We should definitely end this with, do you remember that show that Jonathan Frakes hosted? Oh yeah. I was just talking about him today. uh, What is it? It's facts. like beyond belief. Beyond belief, fact or fiction. Mm -hmm. Have you seen all those memes of people, (laughs) of him just being like, it's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. That's what this whole movie was (laughs) like. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of The Boot. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please tell your friends, check out our other podcasts. We got a couple more spooky films for you this Halloween. Um, 
Where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. Don't forget it. That's the best way you can help us out. You can also find us now on Ko-fi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this wonderful piece of art that we create for you every week. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. And you can find us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. Or you can find us separately because... Brian is trying to steal my kidneys. <laughs> Black market, baby. At Kim and Trent and at Flynn B. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. How much is a kidney worth for Black market? Bye, Paul. Bye, Paul.